You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm excited to have Seb Scrofina on the podcast today. And we're going to talk about the strategy of an efficient go-to-market strategy. Seb, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? Good, man. I'm doing well. So tell it, before we dive into the topic, and this is a very interesting topic because every time a sales ops leader comes on the show, there's plenty of questions that I have because I'm a revenue leader myself. But before we dive into the topic, let's go and find out how you got to where you are. Yeah, so, so really quickly, I'm, I'm originally from South America. Um, I came from... Uh, I've lived in Argentina, Venezuela, Peru, all over South America, and uh, I wanted to work in tech, right? I was really passionate about tech. There's not much of a tech industry in South America, so I came to the U.S. to get my MBA at UT, and um, I worked on the go-to-market team for my internship, the go-to-market transformation team at Dell. Um, And I've been doing the same, uh, growing through the ranks, doing doing the work uh, for the last six years. Superb. And I guess, how big is your team? And I, I ask this because everybody in sales jobs always wants a bigger team. And so it's just cool to understand like how big your team is uh, today or how big was it when you first started? Yeah, that's it's a great question, right? Uh, so we, my team, it's really focused around the strategy. So we're setting, we're setting guidelines for a lot of different uh, teams to execute, right? So because it's a strategic team, it's it's relatively small with um, uh, people of, uh, of of relative high tenure, right? Like a lot of experience in the industry. Nice. So um, it is it's it's been fluctuating, right? Like there's a lot of reorganizations, but it, it's between five and ten, uh, okay. five and ten people. Great. I mean, uh, what I love about your role is you have experienced tenure people who are all coming together, bringing their experiences to solve a problem. You know, so I, th- I think that's always fun because you have different perspectives from the different experiences that people have gone through. Yeah, and and, and just to jump onto that point, um, my team right has a mix of people that have a lot of consulting experience, right? People had that have sales experience. Um, and 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 sales operations, right? Sales themselves, they they've been salespeople, sales operations, the strategic component, all of those things, and a lot of analytics experience, right? Because there's a lot of data in 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 doing this work. All of those experiences come together, so it's really a, a cross-functional team. Everyone has their own perspective on things. Superb, superb. So let's dive into it because I really want to know why you picked the topic of the strategy of an efficient go-to-market strategy. So guide us away. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's funny. Uh, go-to-market, because organizations grow, right? You don't all, always have a clear line of sight of what you want to grow into, right? So like you said, there's, there's a strategy to go-to-market strategy on 
on, on setting that vision on how you grow and as companies, especially technology companies expand their product portfolios, their go-to-market becomes more and more complex. And, and, and there's some pieces of that that uh, you want to unpack and, and have a very clear vision and very clear guiding principles with. Um, so the first one of them uh, that I, I, I want to talk about, it's, it's, it's this framework of, of, of three portions of go-to-market, right? Um, the first portion being customer segmentation, how we group our customers together. The second one being um, what the coverage model is. So what are the different sales roles that are involved in the coverage model? And the last one, it's territory planning. It's, it's what does a good territory look like from a, from a sales perspective? Right, so the combination of all those three things, I think, it, it defines the go-to-market model of of uh, of a company. Great, and so walk us through that. Yeah, so so if if you will, these things kind of in, interrelate to each other, right? So the first thing you set you segment customers based on different customer needs, right? Different customers have they need more in-depth product-specific coverage or more broad base uh, uh, but but constant interactions with the rep so so you want to segment your customers the way that that you want your direct sales team to uh, uh, engage with them that that means it's you want a group of customers that have similar needs once you do and, that and, and how do, go, and how do you sorry I was just curious like because you know traditionally we're all taught to either take the revenue size or employee size or something that we find in the yellow pages or whichever, and then bucket customers like that, right? So do you have any tips for actually understanding before you even do segmentation? Like what are some of the tips or tactics that you should, one should deploy to understand their customer needs better and then segment them? Yeah, it's a great question, right? It's easy to, to go after uh, things that are easily measured, and yep. and you always want to balance how uh, how much you know how complex is your segmentation model. However, I think some of the things that you need to think through it's it's verticals and industries, um, employee sites it's important, and 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 revenue and and history of that relationship it's really important. I think all converged into the same thing, right? All converged into the amount of opportunity and what specific opportunity there is in the customer. So. It, it is kind of a triangulation point towards what is the opportunity in that particular customer and how can we serve that customer the best. And do you do any like, like and, and I know like where you're at today is a pretty sophisticated engine, but if you were to start, right, and, uh, or maybe you are rethinking about segmentation, right, is, is, it, is it good to to just go survey a bunch of customers or talk to them and understand before you're going to go put a segmentation model in place? Or is it that you're never going to get it 100% right, so you might as well start and then iterate as you go through? Which which way is the best practice? That's, it's a great question. So initially, you, you're not going to have enough critical mass to segment customers, right? As you grow, you, you grow from a base of customers that you targeted from a marketing strategy. Marketing strategy, you you targeted a set of customers, and and those and, and you're going to start looking customers coming in. I think it's really important if you have a direct uh, sales motion, right? If 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 you, the strategy of your company is going direct. Um, 
to talk to your to your sales teams and understand what are the customers need the sales teams are uh, uh are going to have a variety of very specific experiences that as you aggregate you can get that bird's eye view of what the customers require right um so to answer your specific question in the beginning you're not going to be able to segment your customers all that well because you're not going to have enough critical mass right enough customers of one type to make one group of customers but as you grow you can talk to your sales team to to understand what um what's required and in the case of your uh more of an indirect uh, company that uses uh, channel partners, uh, you, you need to talk to your channel partners, right? And maybe you can get a leg up there because your channel partners don't only serve your customers, but other competitors too, right? Understand yeah. in that particular, for that particular product or for that particular service, what what are the key differentiators on, on, on the sales motion? Yeah, no, so that, that's a great point. And oftentimes we overlook the ability for channel partners to inform our go-to-market strategy. And even though for revenue leaders out there, even though you may decide not to use channel partners in your go-to-market strategy, surveying them or interviewing them or getting to know them, it will always be beneficial because they're almost always going to be inside the organizations and can give you an inside-out view versus you trying to do this from a marketing or a user testing perspective and doing the outside in view. Yeah, absolutely. So if we, if we want to cover the second topic, right? So yep. we segmented our customers. Now we need to define the coverage model, Yep. right? And the smaller the customer, you know, you need to, afford, you need to be able to afford coverage, right? So the smaller the customer, the less specialization and you want to use a more broad, base system so not a lot of roles less roles so that they can go into the customer broad base as the customer grows right as you get to bigger and bigger customers and more specific needs then the balance should switch from your general to the specific products or 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 offerings that 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 your company has right so you need to decide the go-to-market model with the with the customer needs in mind right but, but a very simplistic model if the only differentiator is your size you start very broad based at the bottom and you and you and you specialize as you go to the top does that make sense it, it does and what i've seen in a lot of cases is people just use the dollars that they spend with their company as a demarcation of coverage but i think what you're saying is make sure you understand the types of products that they're buying and then build the coverage model based off of that. And while dollars spent may be one indicator, there are other indicators that people should think about just so that the customer experience is great. Yeah, and I, I, I want to go away from what they bought and go into what they can buy, right? And whatever, oh, whatever okay. measure you have... One. Yeah, yes. whatever measure you can have to see, it may be the industry, it may be the size of the company, it may be how fast the company is growing. Whatever measure you have to see what the customer need is, that's what yes. you should define the coverage model for. Not necessarily how much they buy today, because you okay. leave money on the table if yes. you if yes. you define it on what they buy today. Yes. 
Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, great point. Okay. So that point was actually a really good one. Okay. So let's move to territory planning then. Yeah. So so the last one is territory planning, and this is this is about it's all of that chaos, right? It's organized chaos on on creating territories for salespeople. So you you can't have a perfect bullet and a perfect formula for every territory needs to be exactly this way, because you know, a territory in Alabama, it's not going to look the same as a territory in Boston, right? And in internationally, even less, uh, you know, cost of resources is not the same across the entire globe, or even within North America. So you want to set guidelines on your territory planning so that from a global perspective, you still have something to hold feet to the fire on on specific regional or 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 the specific sales manager that's defining the territories but at the same time you want to give them enough um range so that not everything is an exception right so using that 80 20 set the guidelines and again you set the guidelines based on what the company can afford right you need to understand what is the contribution that those sales teams are doing and what value are 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 they bringing to the company versus the the the, um, the value that you know the cost of, of those resources themselves right how much money they bring it in yeah. versus how much they cost and and that will define what what the territory coverage is so does that make sense Asher yes it does and so the the, the the key thing again in what you just said is actually so important right because even in territory coverage people are always trying to balance this like standard metric right? X dollars coming in, Y dollar resource goes there. Well, I think that is great, but when you're starting off or when you're introducing a new product, it somewhat creates more chaos in the system. So you do have to give it a little bit of time to just normalize, and then you can work on efficiency metrics. What is that your thought too? Uh, absolutely, right? Especially on, on new product inter- introductions, right? You can't, you can't measure productivity on new product in, in, introductions, but what you can measure is potential productivity, right? So even if the productivity is not there today, again, whatever measure you can get of what the customer can buy, you can apply that same measure to the reps, what the reps can bring in, not necessarily what they are bringing in, but what they can. The the concept of opportunity is really important. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, You're, you're making an extremely good point that you can't just think of what's already in you in in the company, you do have to think of what's outside there, outside and what the op- total uh, market opportunity is, and then size it like that. This is actually a really good point. You know? And I know we brought it up a couple of times, in, even in this podcast. Uh, but how does, like, I feel like most people are just trained to think of, like, what's already inside the company, right? So did you have to do some sort of cultural realignment or education to start getting people to think about it a different way? I, I think it's important. It goes with, with with cycles of a company, right? Companies go, when they want to grow, you want to focus on opportunity. When when you're OPEX constrained you, you, and, and you need more profitability, you need to improve your profitability, then you, you, you want to focus on productivity. So it depends on, on kind of the strategy yeah. of the company as a whole. If there's a growth strategy, right, take share and, and 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 just grow regardless of profitability, then you want to over-index on that opportunity. Yep. If if you really are looking for it, because it's 
it's expensive to put a resource on a customer that hasn't bought anything but could buy yes. something, right? Yes. So if you, if you need to improve the profitability of your company, then you need to kind of over-index on the productivity. But you need you need to be able to look at both things and, and balance those two, right? 100%. But I, I feel like at some point, there's a little bit of faith required, you know, in this. And uh, and I feel like that, or maybe I'm thinking about the wrong way, right? Is there is there some faith required on, on in the model, in the in the subject, in the market opportunity, and there's a little bit of patience required to go gather that market opportunity or capture that market opportunity. I I, I absolutely think so, but that, then again, that's why that's why we cannot do sales strategy without without sales, right? The people that understand this, the people that need to buy into your opportunity model, the people that need to buy into your coverage model, segmentation strategy, territory planning. It's all sales teams, and and you're not designing it by yourself as part of a sales strategy team. What you're doing is it's it's collecting all this information, and then balancing the trade-offs to come up with one answer instead of a specific answer for every little scenario, or that that the sales teams can only see one piece of the entire puzzle. You're just trying to put the whole puzzle together and solving it, right? Um, yeah. uh, so. To answer your question, yeah, you, you you do need to 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 take a leap of faith, but it's not a leap if the thing that you're doing it's just making sure that you're collecting that feedback from sales and integrating them into that process of how do you come up with the recommendation, right? If it is a black box, they will not understand it and they will not buy into it, yeah. right? Yes, 100%, 100%, which which leads us to the next topic that we were talking about, like how silos get created. And uh, uh, so walk us a little bit through that thought of yours. Yeah, so 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 the, the next topic, it's, it's really a passion for me, right? I, and it only applies for big companies, right? Or companies with a very, uh, a very large product, very broad por- product portfolio. But it's the concept of alignment. And, and it is... As your company gets bigger, you're going to have a lot of different product specialists and a lot of different teams, sales teams that are independent from each other. And they're driven to 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 pursue a different objective. Right. Um, and if they are if their territories are not aligned, if they don't share the same set of accounts at the at the rep level. Right. If you if you have one rep that does product A and one rep that does product B and they don't share the entire account set, but they are all crisscrossed. So rep that sells product A needs to work with five different reps that sell product B. You don't have that concerted effort and you're not going to go after the opportunity the right way, right? You're going to miss the cross-sell opportunity of product A to product B and you want to break down those walls. And there, there is a cost to it, right? Obviously, product B wants to focus their efforts wherever the product B opportunity is, right? So it, it is a give and take. It is a trade-off to, to focus some of their resources on, on stuff that, that it's more important for product A. So I, 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 I'm talking in general because every company is different, but the concept is the same of driving alignment so that you can really serve the customer the best. They are not getting attacked from two different fronts and the company doesn't look like one company, but just 
a multitude of little companies that are selling a specific product. This is this is really, really good stuff. And you know, what I would also say, at least in my experience, is is oftentimes companies do this like top down thinking, right? And uh, and it's because the executives have bonuses that are have to have to be measured against some goals, right? But the field almost always feels lonely, right? And so the field needs to be at some level a part of the process. Or if it was a perfect world, we should actually start with the field and then take the bottoms up, roll up, and then join it with the top-down roll up, and then try to figure out where what the gap is, and then focus all the energy on how to bridge the gap. Because whatever the field is saying, and however much of that overlaps with the with the with the management, uh, that is already covered, right? Like like the field already believes they can get to X. Management is saying it's going to go to Y. There's a little bit of delta. Let's call it Z. So rather than talking and rehashing X and Y, why don't we just spend more time on Z? And I feel like that type of an environment, to your point, actually creates that alignment because new ideas get shaped in that type of environment. And and when new ideas get shaped. That is just a resource allocation problem. That that's true, and and I I like that you bring up the the bottoms up versus the tops down, right? I think the tops down strategy needs to inform the bottoms up analysis, if you will. You come up with tops down hypotheses that you validate bottoms up. That's that's how I I think of of how we do things in my team. It's this is a strategy. Let's agree on the strategy and that our sales executives will guide our strategy. Yep. And then let's find out the hypotheses and specific sets of analysis that we need to make to validate bottoms up that that will hold, right? Yep. And that's yep. how yep. you're going to convince the field, right? You convince the yep. field with the bottoms up analysis, not with the tops down strategy, right? Yep. Yep. No, no, this is, this, is, this is great. So you also mentioned like when we were talking earlier, you were saying, hey, Asher, you know, status quo kills innovation. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, part of my role, right, it, it, it's go-to-market transformation. So I, I need to transform the business. I need to look for opportunities to increase sales productivity uh, by, by changing the go-to-market model, one of, the, one of those three components, right? Yep. And it's really important that, that we're on the same side with our sales executive leadership, right? that we're solving problems for them and that we include them into the thinking and 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 why we need to change right there's there's a big resistance to change and it makes sense we we don't want to constantly change our approach to our problems right but if you are informing right and you're bringing them along along within in the journey with with our sales teams, the sales leadership, then then you're not gonna receive that pushback, right? So don't don't think that the idea is not gonna be well received. If 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 an idea that you have that you can improve the go-to-market for X, Y, or Z reason at any level in the organization, this this goes from from the analyst that's doing a specific set of analysis. Your idea is valid if you connect it to a business problem that it's broad based, right? So if there's a broad based business problem and you have an idea on how to solve it, you should go through the journey of understanding from a sales perspective, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And, and you'll be able to, to execute on that innovation. 
Does that make sense, yeah. Asher? It it does. It does. And and I guess I want to give a, a shout out of encouragement to people that don't hold ideas in. And 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 as as executives or as leaders out there, um, it's our job to create that psychological safety so that people can share those ideas because at the rate at which we are going and at the rate at which things are hitting all of our businesses, you do need other people to share their ideas. And, 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 you know, like you're always at, at least my opinion is belief is you're always as good as the, as the last person's idea that was shared. Right. And, and if those last person are persons, right, then you always have good ideas coming through the ranks and and then you can discuss, you can debate them, you can decide them. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do this, right? But you you, you what but what can't happen is the field shuts down because nothing good comes out from that. That's right. That's right. Cool. Okay, okay those were the is... topics that we were gonna discuss, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is this has been great. Th thanks so much for giving us these pointed pointers. You know, like taking a look at the opportunity versus taking a look at what's in the bag already. I think that was the big one for me. This one. So thank you for 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 making sure that you clarified that. Uh, let's move to to the next part of the podcast, and and we always say this to our guests, and we ask them to share three or four other people who they think we should bring on the podcast that they respect, and so. Who would those two or three or four maybe people that you would like us to bring out of the show? So I, I have three people for you, right? Number one, it's someone that that, that works through very closely with me, and it's an analytics expert. Okay, um, so there, her name is Kirthi Rajagopal, um, and she works at, at Dell Technologies. She works in um, in in the North America uh, sales planning team. Uh, second right. person is it, it, he, he was my mentor when I uh, first joined Adele um, and, and he moved on to Google. Um, he, he's worked also a lot in sales strategy and, and global operations. His name is Abhishek Yadav. Um, and then uh, lastly, someone that I've spent years working with. Uh, and when you're in sales strategy, you work a lot with external consulting teams. And um, Mackenzie Bushy. Um, she works in Bain and, and, and amazing, right? Like she has all of the background on, on go-to-market and understands of, of deep understanding of go-to-market there. So th those are my three people that I would want to call out. That's great. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've been able to surround yourself with some really amazing people that have helped you uh, get to where you are. And, and, uh, and I'm just impressed with the journey that you've been on because I'm an immigrant myself. And, you know, it's hard, you know, to come to a different country and then start from scratch and then get to some point, right? So congrats on your success. And hopefully other folks that hear this podcast in Latin America can get encouraged to, to take the journey and take the risk and do good for themselves and their, for their families. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And it, it is it is a hustle, but it it's all worth it, right? But it sounds like you made it a fun one, you know. So thank thank you again for coming on the podcast. If people wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? I think find me on LinkedIn. Uh, throw me a, a a connection request on LinkedIn, and then you know, we'll talk. Okay. That sounds, sounds like a great, great idea. And uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on to the show. And hopefully this podcast gives 
all of our global listeners uh, uh, some inspiration to go and take the risk and dive in and see what they can do for their lives and their careers. So thanks again, Seb, and best of luck in your journey. Thanks again, Asher. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.